Moncrief on News Talk. Mairead, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Sean. How is life? Uh, not too bad. Now, I, I, I assume that like that they're saying there's going to be a turn in the weather this this weekend. Uh, presumably, oh, that's mm-hmm. being well. There want to. to be now. Yeah. <laughs> there want to be. I, look at your everybody in the country knows how miserable and cold it's been. I was just looking at a forecast there, and they said that there was only one day this month so far where the temperature has gone over twenty, whereas last year there was twenty days where the temperature had gone over twenty. Crikey. So that's that's what goes tell you. So so for even like I was talking to a flower farmer and uh, they were telling me everything was about a month behind. And, you know, they were being hit by three and four hailstones, storms a day. And that wasn't doing the flowers any good. And it's the same with the people in horticulture. And then when you come to the livestock people and the, the, you know, there's a lot of feed has to go into animals and you're dependent on the grass to grow and the ground has to be warm and the temperature is nice for that to happen. And it's happening very slowly. And I've I've been saying this now for the last few weeks and every week I say it. I nearly have a more high pitched voice <laughs> because, you know, what started off as maybe a bit concerning and then got, you know, a little bit anxious. And and now people are wondering what the hell, you know, when the grass ever grow, will the silage ever get cut? And, um, you know, the, at, at the moment, people are farmers are having to extend or they're having to feed cereals. They're putting the livestock in at night. Um, they're using up last year's silage, anything to kind of stretch out the grass until it really starts growing again. Mm. And it's the same with silage. Fields that could have been fit to cut three weeks ago are still sitting there because you have to have certain conditions. There has to be an amount of sunlight and warmth for the sugars to work in the grass to make silage or else you'll just have really bad silage. And, you know, people are not getting the weather to do that. Yeah. And even we, we have a whole bunch of pet lambs here and um, talk about pets. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talk about soft pets at that. You know, they're inside. They have the run of a shed. And um, so two weeks ago, we said, right, to hell with this now. You little la- ladies and lads, you better get outside and get a bit of grass and not be so dependent on being inside in the shed and being fed cereals and milk. And we, we it took us ages to get them out because they kept running back in. And 15 pet lambs running all around the place, you know, are something to be, they're like catching mice at a crossroads. And, um, but anyway, they come to the gate every night and roar their heads off until they're let into the shed. (laughs) 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 I literally stand there roaring and straight in and in their little, they all have their own spots down in where they're, they're sleeping. And, you know, they don't particularly want to go out in the morning either. So, you know, look what we could do with a bit of sunny, dry weather. And, you know, the weather now, I'm looking out the window here and we've two windows in the kitchen. One faces east, the other faces west. It's like two different uh, climate zones. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, the sun is shining. But in, you know, half an hour, you could end up with a hailstorm. This is what's been happening with us for the last for the last um, couple of weeks. Um, You know, plenty of sunshine for a half an hour. And I don't know how many types, you know, the the weather people are doing the weather forecasting with Met Aaron, how many descriptions they have for rain, you know, light shower. Mist. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And if it's, it must be hard for them to keep. I saw there was a picture, I think it was in the Irish Times of the, the, the Academy, which is a music venue. And they had written outside that the weather app is lying to you. Uh, it's just that <laughs> <laughs> my sense is everyone's yes, complaining. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, no matter how many ty- different names they call it, it's still rain. You know, it's wet. <laughs> yes. And, and it's. And it comes down and it's coming down on cold ground and it's just making everything like behind time. And, 
um, particularly now, you know, with, with grass, which is very important, but also with the tillage crop and with the flower farmers and with the people who are doing horticulture and with people who like their gardens. You know, it's just plain havoc for the last month. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, we, um, I have a gardening page in the Farmer's Journal and I put it, it was our wedding anniversary there a few days ago, 35 ah, years Congratulations. Married. Yeah. And we coincide our wedding to time with the um, rhododendrons down in um, Glenart near Woodenbridge in County Wicklow. And every year they'd come out kind of by the end of May. Do you think there was a sign of them that year? <laughs> <laughs> and all our, all we, ha- we couldn't even take photographs outside. They had to be taken indoors. But, um, but you know, so you wouldn't, but that, that, you know, instead of having a really nice summer then to make up for it, it was a miserable old summer. So I, I don't exactly believe in these people who can forecast the weather for July and August at this stage of the year. Right. Uh, and uh, you did mention the pet lambs uh, for uh, sheep farmers. The, the, the wool aspect of the business isn't going so well. Yeah, it's coming near sh- shearing time, especially in the lowlands, although it'll probably be a little later this year because the season will be later because um, the weather is cold and the wool hasn't risen. It hasn't produced the oils to rise. So it's it's harder to shear them and it's not as good an idea to shear them. So, um, but, you know, wool is a natural product. You know, everybody recognizes it as a really good, warm, natural product. And yet the prices that farmers are getting for it, between 15 and 20 cent a kg for lowland wool and 5 cent a kg for, for hill wool. Now, it's costing a couple of euros to shear it off a sheep. You're making about, getting about 50 or 60 or 70 cent for the, the wool that comes off their back. It's costing you three times, four times that to get it sheared off them. So, you know, it, it, at this stage, it is, um, you know, it, it's for the comfort of the sheep that you take the wool off because they really couldn't cope with it for the whole summer. Um, but it's it's extraordinary that it's so, so, um, so cheap. And at the moment, number of the big merchants, you know, they're called wool merchants. You know, I always think of the Merchant of Venice. They're they're wool merchants. That's their names or that's what you call it. That's the profession. And a number of them are saying that they won't be taking any wool this year. They won't be out in the market for it because they have so much in stock. They've nowhere to store it. To know how to store it, so that's a that's another whole problem with with um with wool, and a lot of this is coming back to Donald Trump. He put um uh, what do you call it um tariffs on imported Chinese carpets uh, to the U.S. He put I don't know was it twenty five percent tariffs, but he's basically destroyed the the Chinese um, carpet industry, and when the Chinese can't make carpets, they don't need to buy wool. And we ah. hear, you know, so like Donald Trump does something, it impacts on the Chinese. That means the Chinese do something and that plays back to Europe and Ireland and West Limerick and wherever you like, Shannon Golden, um, in terms of the price of wool. So, um, but the, 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 I think the Department of Agriculture are, you know, have set up a, a group to look at alternative uses for wool, you know, as an insulator um, in particular. Uh, you know, there's a possibility for it there, but anything to drive the price up a small bit, because at the moment, you know, it's just complete dead loss. But hopefully, anyway, we will be into sheep shearing season in the next couple of weeks, and um, and that'll mean the weather will have improved. Right, but some good news though is that the roads are going to improve. Well, now these are the little tiny little 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 back mm. roads, the little ones that um. You maybe have two, two, maybe two families living on it or whatever, or it's down to way down to a beach or it's a way to a river or, you know, into the forest or something like that. 
and um, it's the Department of Rural and Community Development, and they've allocated ten and a half million to approve uh, improve these roads. And you know that it's you know it's 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 great that they thought of them because they generally don't get done. Um, but they are a vital piece of infrastructure to the people that are using them. So you can, any household, if your road or little roadway is um, selected for work, you you can, the, the householders will be asked to contribute a maximum of 1,500 to the cost of the repairs on their road. Now, I, I presume that can, you know, that can be discussed, but that's the absolute maximum they'll be asked. And, you know, it could be money well invested because if they're done, they might need to be done again for a long time. And um, and these are the, the you know, the, they are the back roads um, mm. just to maybe two. A lot of them would probably be roads, as I said, to rivers or lakes or, you know, public amenities that, you know, never really see the site of a local authority uh, lorry coming along with a bit of tarmac. Right. So the, if you want to know if you if you could... Um, be eligible for it. You're to contact the local authority, your local authority, and you look. You ask for the local improvement scheme funding, and see then can you make a case for your roadway to be funded, or if you are on the list for work. But I mean, remember, it's ten and a half million for the whole country. So there's, you know, there's a lot of roads in this co- in this country, and you know, a lot of them probably p- piling in for this. But uh, but anyway, it's there and it's there to be used up. Uh, somebody wants to know how do we get wool for our attics? I'd pay fifty cent a kilo. That, now that I don't know how how we well, do that it. work. Um, I wonder. But, well, it's certainly no, but but certainly it's one of the things they're looking at is um, the role of wool as an insulator. So I mean, they'd have to come up with with how to do it. But traditionally, the wool has been sheared off the sheep, brought by the wool merchants, gathered into big depots, and then exported to China or Russia. And China has been the big market. And as I said, that's gone at the moment because of the tariffs that Donald Trump imposed on carpets from China. Right. So tell us what is the signpost? Yeah. Now, this is, um, you know, one of the things, if you talk to young farmers, if you talk to any sort of a farmer, really, um, except maybe the really, you know, far, well, I suppose nearly every farmer, you know, they're down and out about um, the whole environmental issue and they're really down and out about being what they feel nearly scapegoated to being the, the plunderers of the environment. Uh, when in actual fact, what most of them have been doing for the past 20 and 30 years is, exact, is exactly what they've been told to do by the researchers and by the people in the know. So, you, as I said, you can hardly turn on the television or radio without finding yourself in the middle of a debate around um, farming and the environment. And um, farmers have felt that they are being unfairly, um, you know, labelled as rogues in this whole debate when the vast majority of them are farming at very small scale and they're doing it part time. Mm. And the bigger farmers have taken on and board an awful lot of the available research to limit their impact on the environment. Yeah. So what there, the, it is um, a fact, though, that like it's a third of our greenhouse gas emissions are from the national herd. Well, we yeah, and and then what we have to measure against is what can be set against that on individual farms, in terms of biodiversity, in terms of hedgerows, in terms of um, solar panels, uh, water, uh, holding water, you know, so that you you're using rainwater. So there's a whole load of things that can offset that on individual farms. But anyway, at what what's happened now is that Chagas, which is the the state. Um, education research body for agriculture have 
put together a program with 100 farmers and 40 industry partners. So this is going the whole way from growing on the land to, to the processors uh, with Chagask in between. And what they want to get to come together is to combat the challenges faced by the sector over the next five years. And the reason it's called the signpost campaign is that the farmers are going to work with the scientists and the researchers to make changes to their farms to improve both the environmental and its environmental and economic stability. So emissions will be monitored on these farms. Carbon sequestration and storage will also be measured. The farmers will become role models and their messages and experiences will be shared nationally with farm walks and on the media. So what they're trying to do is these hundred signpost farms, um, every bit of research is going to be put into them into how to limit emissions, what they have to do in terms of carbon sequestration, and all of that will be made available to the other farms and it'll be set up in forms of discussion groups and farm walks but it intends to use every bit of new and upcoming technology that and research that can be implemented mm. so it's the only one of its kind in the whole of europe this isn't happening anywhere else we're the first to be doing this and um, i think there it's a bit like in a way the lighthouse farms um uh, that are around the world as well it's some a similar idea and it'll, it'll establish a network of these excellent farms who are working to tackle climate change while remaining economically viable and resilient. Yeah. So, um, so look, let's see what the science has to say. Um, it's, it's been launched, this program. I think the individuals have all been selected. And let's hear what the message is because, you know, there's an awful lot of, you know, let's hear what the science says. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and that's that's the plan and that's the program, the signpost program. Uh, so there'll be a lot more about it in time. I, I imagine, though, a, a lot of uh, the pressure that farmers feel is that repeatedly there are cuts. Uh, there are calls to cut the size of the national herd. Yes. Um, um, is there a viable way for a farmer to be able to do that and replace it with something else? Well, I mean, I mean economically viable. Well, you, you know, I suppose when I was a child growing up, you know, we had a few pigs, we had dairy cows, we kept a few bullocks, we had hens. So, you know, we had these kind of multi-purpose farms. Um, and if, you know, there was trouble in one, you could kind of move into the other a bit more intensely. Um, but that isn't available to most people now because of the lack of labor. You know, there's only one person working on farms and they want a streamlined system. They want to get very good at it. You know, you don't ask a plumber to be a, you know, a, a carpenter or a builder or a blocky. You know, they're good at one job. And, you, you know, you need certain skills to be a good dairy farmer. You need different ones to be a good beef farmer. It's not the same thing. And, um, and so getting good at getting good and doing the best that you can be as a dairy farmer or a sheep farmer or a livestock farmer is what you, you aim for. And, uh, you know, and, and, and being able to measure the emissions and the sequestration and, you know, your inputs, that's all going to help the situation, I believe. Uh, now, uh, the marts, we, I've, you've mentioned more than once, the marts all went online. Obviously a big loss for a lot of farmers because it was a social outlet for them as well. So are the marts opening up again? They're fully open. They're back in business and bidding is taking place at the mart. So the buyers are back. But mind you, um, the, the one thing that hasn't opened is the canteens. So the big, the, the big mart dinners are not available to people yet. Mm -hmm. And um, 
but and that but there's certainly then you know people have got used you'd have never thought that people would get used so easily or so quickly to walking online and that is going to be um one of the legacies of covid is that the online sales will certainly continue and it'll suit an awful lot of farmers to do that. And, you know, they might go to the mart once a month or once every two months, but they'll do a lot of their business online. So that that's it's very good that that's happening. And then on another front there, the, the National Ploughing Association have confirmed that they've cancelled the ploughing. Mm-hmm. But, no, not the plough. They've cancelled the technical show, which is all the stands, the stuff that brings real colour to the, the right. ploughing. But the, the actual... Um, the, the actual um, technical uh, ploughing competition will continue or will take place. Now, the other thing on that is that Ireland was supposed to host the, um, the World Ploughing Championships uh, this year. Now, in the normal swing of events, it wouldn't come around again until, um, I think it's 2038. Uh, but they're hoping to bring it forward to 2023. Um, uh, there's a, an emotion gone in, and there's no better women than Anna Marie and Anne, um, Anna May McHugh to make sure they get that over the line. So instead of having to hold it now in 2038, we're hoping to get it through. I think it's in 2023. Right. Okay. So, fair juice to them. Okay. All right. Well, some some good news, some bad news there. Uh, I, I suppose, though. I suppose having the full Always plowing the was never gonna it was never gonna happen. Uh, I hear noises in the background there, Marie. It's like there's a is there a tractor going past you there or something? No, th- my husband has walked into the kitchen and plugged in the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> he there needs, you go. He needs a cup of tea. <laughs> well, I, if you need a cup of tea, you need a cup of tea. That's it. Seen some rural life there. I'm Ray, thanks a million as ever. Right. Uh, Ray, there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on uh, News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk.